Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you were here last week, I'm sure that you were encouraged. I so appreciated Preston's ministry of the Word. When he answered a critical question for our lives, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Have you been there? I have. And the answer to that question is twofold. Number one, you do the right next thing. And number two, you allow God to change your plans if he so desires. That was so practical. It was so personal, so pointed to our lives. For me, it scratched me right where I itch. And I trust that the Word of God does that as we share together and we live it out for our, through our lives for His honor and His glory. That's what's supposed to happen. Mike Connie does kids' notes for every week. And if you've not picked up the kids' notes, they are available Thursdays, and I would encourage you to print them out and look at them because they have some real practical points that I, that I trust will minister to you. The first of every week, Connie and I have a conversation. Now, I'm going to use a little ministerial license as I tell you about our conversation. It's a conversation about what I'm going to be preaching on the next Sunday. That way, Connie can start to work on the kids' notes, and she can know what the theme is and, and know how to, how to put it together. It's a good conversation. So she says, she says, Tom, what are you preaching on next week? I said, Widows. She said, where are you going to get that? I said, out of, out of the text, 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 16. And she says, okay. How am I going to apply that to the kids? I said, well, widows are special people who have special needs. And we as a church family need to minister to them and share in their lives. She says, okay. How am I going to apply that to the kids? So I thought I'd stretch it out for her. I said, well, babe, during the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about how we minister to people within the church. We're going to talk about how to minister to widows in the church. We're going to talk about how to take care of pastors or elders within the church. And we're going to talk about how important our testimony is when we're out in the world within the church. She says, okay. I said, well, here's, here's the big picture. Here's really what I, I want us to understand. We need to treat all people as if they were our family. And we need to recognize that within the family, we need to take care of the family. So what did my wife do? She gave us spiritual lessons from chickens. You didn't know there was such a thing, did you? Well, there are three spiritual lessons from chickens, and these do apply. Number one, chickens understand the needs for family community. Now, I can just imagine everybody online Googling spiritual lessons for chickens. Number two, chickens practice selfless love by looking out for the needs of others. And number three, chickens are great communicators and are very alert. Not bad. And Connie, if you're watching online, thank you so very, very much. She told me she was going to. That's why I had to clean up the story. 
The truth is, we are family. And as family, we need to recognize that within the family, we need to understand that there are needs that should be met. Now, Paul begins to identify those needs as he looks at different members of the family. Are you in 1 Timothy chapter 5? Look with me at the first two verses, will you please? Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Now, here it is. This is within the family. You see, we need to treat older men with respect. We need to treat older women with devotion. And we need to treat our contemporaries as brothers and sisters in Christ because we're all part of the family. You know, the Bible says that as many as receive Christ, to them are given the privilege to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's family. And if you'll read Romans chapter 8, you will discover that we are adopted as the Spirit works with our spirit into the family of God. It makes a difference. And we have a wonderful family that we call Calvary Baptist Church. One of my favorite songs is, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as I travel this sod, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. Please underline that in your minds, please. We're family. And as family, we need to share with each other and care about each other. Now, Paul identifies some special part of the family. He identifies widows. And widows and those with special needs are to be treated as a vital part of the family, of the body of Christ. You see, when you and I have a special need, it's critical that someone comes alongside us and ministers to us. Because when we have special needs, it's easy to lose focus. And we start to recognize how big that need is and how overwhelming that need is. And sometimes we just need somebody to show up in our lives and come alongside us. Now, my plan this morning is to look at the text, and we are going to see what Paul says about widows and, and family connections and, and how older widows are, are to be cared for in such a way, and, and younger widows are, are to, to remarry because it's easy to focus on, on stuff. But then I want to talk about family and how we minister as family. Now, let me give you some background. In Psalm 68, we read these words. Father of the fatherless, protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God, before God and the Father is this. What is it? To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep one, oneself unspotted from the world. People with special needs are special to God. Now, can I stop right there? When you have a special need, 
you're special to God. Whatever that need is. Now, in the Old Testament, widows were to remarry if possible. And if that wasn't possible, many times they were taken back into their father's homes and they were cared for there. Sometimes they were taken into their in-laws' homes and cared for. We have a great illustration of how widows were cared for in the book of Ruth. You remember the narrative. There's a famine in the land. There's a crisis, and this is in the days of the judges. And Naomi and Obimelech leave Bethlehem in in Judah and and go where they can have their needs met. They, They have two sons, and they marry and take wives. But tragedy hits their home. Abimelech dies, the two sons dies, and it leaves Naomi and Orpha and Ruth, the two daughters-in-law. Naomi says to Orpha and Ruth, you stay here, you find yourself a husband, and you get a family. That's the way it could be handled. I'm going back to Bethlehem because I have family there, and they'll take care of me. Orpha says, okay, and she goes, and We never hear from her again. But Ruth says, Naomi, I'm going with you. And there's that wonderful truth. Don't make me leave you. I want to go where you go. Where you dwell, I'll dwell. Who your God is will be my God. And, And we'll make it together. Now, Ruth was perhaps looking at her mother in law and saying, I'll take care of you. You're headed back home, I'll take care of you. They return to, to Bethlehem. Naomi says, don't, don't call me Naomi anymore, but, but call me Mara, bitter, because I, I've had a tough life. And you know the text. Boaz comes into the picture. Boaz is a close relative. And Ruth goes out in the field and ministers, and, and they start to connect and start to, to have a relationship. And Boaz looks around and says, Wait a minute, there's another relative that is closer to you than I, and it was that relative's responsibility to take care of them before Boaz did. So he goes to the city gates, and that other relative comes up, and the name is not given, and he invites him to sit down, and he says, listen, Naomi's come back to town, and she's got a piece of property, and you're the next kinsman redeemer. Would would you be willing to redeem that piece of property and, and take care of Naomi? He says, sure, I'll do that. He says, well, just one more thing you ought to know. She's got a daughter-in-law that you're going to have to take care of too. He says, wait a minute, that wouldn't work real well with my family. (laughs) My wife probably wouldn't appreciate that. So Boaz then steps in and redeems them. and, And you know the rest of the narrative. They get married, God blesses them, and they become part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful, wonderful account of of how God takes care of those who have special needs. Now, you move into the New Testament, and the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all tell us about a time when the Sadducees come and confront Jesus. And and, and they they give him a a what-if story. And here's here's the what-if. What if a a man 
marries a woman, a man who has six brothers. And that man dies. And the second brother marries the woman, and he dies, and it goes on down the line. And here's the what if. What if they all die? Whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? I think that's funny for this reason. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. And Jesus said, you don't understand resurrection. You don't understand what resurrection is going to be all about. In Acts chapter 6, we have the account in the early church where widows were being neglected and there arose some tension among the widows. See, there were, there were two types of widows in that church. There were the Hebrew widows and there were the, the Greek widows, the Hellenist widows, the, the Gentile widows. And for some reason, one of them thought that they weren't being treated fairly. And, and you remember what the apostle said, choose seven men, who we can appoint over this business so we can devote ourselves to prayer and the study of the Word of God. And, and perhaps that, those were the first deacons. So widows were, were very, very important. People with, with special needs, a vital part of the body. And I think it's critical that we understand that this morning. Now, Paul is going to address this specifically in our text. And we're going to very quickly work our way through the text this morning, and then we're going to make some application, all right? Let me begin with verse 3. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, if you have the King James, it may say nephews. It means ancestors, those who might be part of the family, who, who could take care of you, uh, individuals who you could depend upon. Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household. You know, it's godly to take care of those who have special needs. Underline that in your mind. And to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. The one she, who is truly a widow, left alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent, that means she's looking at her own problems, she's getting all caught up in her own situation. She who is self-indulgent is, is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, we need to teach godliness, what that's all about. And part of godliness is taking care of people's needs. Aren't you thankful that God takes care of your needs? Huh? My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Now, if we are going to be an example of what God does, who God is, then, then we need to do what God does. But we, we need to take care of people's needs. That's godliness. 
But no matter what's going on in our lives, we need to trust God to take care of our needs. Did you see where the hope of this widow was? Verse 5, set her hope on God. God is the one who we can depend upon, who never changes. Amen? And no matter what's going on in our lives, we can trust God to minister to us. And lastly, we need to take care of family. Because our testimony depends upon it. Verse 8, anyone who does not provide for his relatives, especially widows, members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Why? Because he is too focused on his own stuff. So part of our testimony is that family cares for family. And the support of true widows is, is critical within the family, within the body of Christ. Let me go on. Saints, the church, are to support widows who are 60 and above who have no other means of support. Verse 9. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation of good works, if she has brought up her children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, and has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. Now jump down to verse 16, please. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them, let the church not be burdened so that they may care for those who are truly widows. Now, truly widows are identified as those who are 60 above and have impacted lives. Did you note that? They have a reputation for good works. They brought up their children well. They've shown hospitality. They've served others and cared for others and devoted themselves to every good work. That's pretty good testimony, isn't it? And the church is to support those that have no other means of support. And we need to recognize that we have a responsibility. Now, in the middle of this, verse 11, Paul identifies another group. But refuse to enroll younger widows. For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to be married. It's not bad. You remember, I, I said that in the Old Testament, the desire of younger widows was to find another husband. So their needs could be met. And I think it's important for us to recognize that we are to help younger folks recognize that God still has a plan for them. There is nothing wrong with singleness. And wherever you find yourself, God has a plan for, for you and will meet your needs. But there are special needs at times. Paul goes on. Verse 12. 
and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. What's that mean? It means this. Sometimes when you have a critical need in your life or you're at a critical point in your life, it's real easy to lose focus and start thinking about yourself rather than recognizing the wonder of God to meet your needs. Verse 13. And besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and, and busybodies, saying what they should know. You read Facebook recently? I am amazed that how people get so caught up with themselves on Facebook. And it becomes all about me. And all about my problems. And all about my situation. And I am just so, so burdened. I think Facebook fits into this text. But you know when you're complaining about your own needs, when you're complaining about your own circumstances, you're going to have a tough time focusing on how God wants to meet that need and how other people come into your lives and encourage you. So, verse 14, I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Let's help people provide a proper testimony about what God is doing in their lives. Let's help people recognize that no matter what their circumstances are, God is greater than their circumstance. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what your struggles are, our God is bigger than that. And you and I need to, in the midst of those circumstances, not give Satan a toehold because he would take away our testimony if we'd let him. Verse 15, for some have already strayed after Satan. If you lose your spiritual focus, <laughs> you're in trouble. If you lose the recognition that God does all things well, you're going to struggle. If Romans 8.28 does not become a vital part of your life, and I know many times it just becomes something we wash over our lives without personally investing in lives. And you know it is. Romans 8.28 for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are according. Do you believe that? Is that truth? Is that in the text? Is that in the, the word of God? Can, can we depend? Yes, we can. But it is so easy during testing times, asking ourselves, now what do I do with me? To move away from God's plan for your life. And you know, I've learned more in my life during times of struggle than I have during times that I would call times of blessing. 
And either God's got it or he doesn't. Either God's going to take care of me or he's not. Either I can focus on the wonder of God or I can't. You can't serve two masters. Right? Love the one, hate the other, cling to the one, despise the other. You can't do it. And when there's a crisis in your life, we tend to serve ourselves instead of the Son of God. So be careful. So I want to go back and remind you, we are to treat all people as we would our own family. And family needs to take care of family. Why? We're family. We're family. And that just gives us such a wonderful relationship. Not only with God, but with each other. And I am so thankful for that. I want to share with you six truths that we can use to help us live out family. Truth number one, we need to focus on needs. Is there anybody here or anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't have a need in their life? (laughs) Family focuses on needs, right? Galatians chapter 6 says that we are to bear the burdens of one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. See a need, meet a need. And we all have them. But it's during those times of need that we recognize the the wonder of, of family. Paul here is talking specifically about widows. But we can move beyond that. Because we all have needs, right? And I'll tell you, when I have a need, I got a need. And when you have a need, you have a need. We need to focus on needs. We need to advise each other about the challenges of these needs. Now, this is, this is difficult. Not only coming alongside somebody and, and bearing them up, but you, you know different needs have different challenges. And sometimes it's easy to lose our focus because of those challenges in our lives. Galatians chapter 6 says that if anybody's caught in a transgression, come alongside them and restore them. And sometimes you just got to come alongside people and say, hey, you're not thinking right. You're not focused where you need to focus. What is God's plan for your life and my life? Would you like to know this morning? May I tell you? God's plan is to challenge us and change us and conform us to the character of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's it. That's God's plan for your life. And whatever you're going through, God's plan for your life is to challenge you and change you and conform you to the character of Christ. And I don't know where you're going to end up as you go through whatever you're going through. But I do know this, 
God's plan is to challenge you and change you and conform you to the character of his son, Jesus Christ. And so don't miss the opportunity of what God wants to do in your life. May I put it this way? God wants you and me to be more like Jesus. That's it. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's hard. But don't miss his plan for your life. And that's to live out the wonder of Jesus Christ. We need to make ministry a priority. Ministry a priority. You know, my life's a whole lot easier when people don't drag me into their world. <laughs> there are folks that will come by the office, and, and I will kid with them, and I, and I really am just kidding with them. And I will, I will say, you're not going to drag me into your world, are you? I like my world. I, I'm fat, dumb, and happy in my world. Leave me alone. <laughs> but when, when people drag me into their world, I need to remember that ministry is a priority. I have an opportunity to, to share with them and encourage them and, and help them. You know, you know, the Bible tells us that we are responsible to each other. And we need to make ministry a priority of our What can I do to minister to this person? We like to avoid them. But as a brother and sister in Christ, I have a responsibility to come alongside them and, and share with them and, and encourage them. We need to invest in godliness. We need to invest in godliness. What can I do to be more godly? What can I do to help you to be more godly? We talk a lot about next spiritual steps, don't we? You know, that is nothing more than being more godly. That, that's all that is. And the only way you get to godliness is to intentionally take another step toward godliness. Now, many times we want godliness to just kind of happen in our lives. And I know we're new creatures in Christ Jesus and old things are passing away and behold, all things are coming, becoming new. But if I want to be more like Jesus, I have to intentionally focus on that task in my life. That's just like anything else. You want to be a better athlete? You don't get that by watching football. You want to be a better music student? You want to be a better computer geek? You want to be a better mom or dad or grandpa or grandma? It doesn't happen by accident. You have to intentionally build in people's lives, and you have to invest in godliness. We need to live as God's family. I know some families are pretty dysfunctional, but that's not God's intention for his family. God's intention for his family is to be connected to each other and concerned about one another. God's intention for his family 
is to build up one another in the faith and to grow together as the body of Christ. God's intention for his family is to serve one another. What other part of the family you are? It, it's, it's not like the eye can say to the ear, I'm not part of the family. Not part of the body. It's God's intention that we work together and share with one another so that we might present to, to him the, the wonder of who he is and to live it out in a lost and dying world. And last, you can make a difference. <laughs> we talked about Operation Christmas Child. You know, nothing will happen without you. I know Linda and, and Mary Jean and Geraldine and, and others and Don and, you know, they'll, they'll get, let me tell you, it can't happen without you. It won't happen without you. We're praying about and planning for 10,000 boxes. And I don't know how that's going to work during COVID. I mean, it used to be that we would have this giant packing party, right? We'd all get together, and you'd hardly move in our activity center because so many people were doing so many things and, and banding together and sharing. That, that's not going to happen this year. But you can make a difference. COVID has been tough on all of us. It really has. And we've been working real hard at trying to stay connected. And sometimes we do better at it than others. Some time ago, I got a phone call from Esther Rudd. And she said, Pastor, I have this idea. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. She wants me to do something else. That's usually what happens. Pastor, I've got a great idea for you to do. But she said, I want to get together and let her tell you herself, okay? Hi, friends. A few months ago, through some discussions with friends on Facebook, it became apparent that there were members of our CBC family who were potentially lacking any sort of connection with other members of our church family. From this discussion and then further discussions with Pastor Tom, the CBC CARE team was formed. We thought it fitting to use an acronym in his honor. Caring, Acting, Reaching, Encouraging. From that simple conversation came a greater vision of meeting the needs of our CBC family, not necessarily CBC members, but all of you, our church family, when needs arise such as meals, a card ministry, and generally reaching out to help in times of need. It was then expanded to include outreach into our community. Today, in connection with Pastor Tom's message, he asked me if I would take a moment to reflect on the inward focused pieces of the care team. We looked at scripture to help us with our vision. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So our goal is to reach out, to encourage, to help, and to not only have ideas, but to act on them, which isn't always my strong point, and to encourage all of you to help in that process. There's a handful of people who are currently leading the care team. Our needs are twofold. We need opportunities to serve our family, and as those opportunities arise, 
We need people who will step up and help meet the needs. Over the past couple of weeks, we've had the opportunity to have several um, meal trains for people who have had surgeries or are dealing with COVID-related issues in their households. We've also had a church family member who called in. Um, she's a widow and her family is, that normally helps her is going to be traveling for a month or so, and so she needs help getting groceries and doing some light cleaning at her house. We had someone reach out because they had an electrical issue in their house and they wanted to call someone that they thought they could trust and they didn't know an electrician. As you can imagine, in those last two instances, we had to sort of scratch our heads and think, well, who in the church is an electrician and who might have the time and the availability and the desire to go help this wonderful widow lady with these needs that she has? And so it would really be beneficial if we could put together a list it would be our list, not sold to anybody, or you wouldn't get on anybody else's list. It's just for our use of people who have skills that they'd be willing to use to help people in our, in our fam church family to meet the needs that they might have. So um, there's obviously a lot of room for expansion as this gets going. I could see lawn mowing and gardening and snow blowing and all sorts of things that people might need help with as we go. So there are several, several ways for you to let us know if you can have a need or if you can help fill a need. So for those of you on Facebook, there's a closed Facebook group called CBC Connect. So you can just search that and um, ask for access. It's a closed group. It's monitored. Um, it's only for CBC folks. Nobody outside of the church family is going to have access to that site. And on that site, you can let us know if you have a need and you can let us know if you can fill a need. In the last couple of weeks, there's been an opportunity to pick raspberries at Nellie Briggs' house and an opportunity to help um, pick up stuff from the storage area for OCC and take it for the packing party. Um, there's also been a meal train out there. So um, that would be the way that we could see that CBC Connect site being used. It's not a buy, sell, trade, giveaway site. It's simply to connect. So if you wanted to meet friends at the park, you could put out, hey, we want to go to the park. Anybody want to join us? Something like that where you're just connecting and helping fill that connect side of the CBC vision. You could reach out to a care team leader. For meals, the people in charge of that are Sarah Coster and Hannah Anderson, so you could contact either one of them. And if you had any kind of another need, you could just reach out to me and I can see if we can find somebody to help meet that. You could also reach out to the CBC office and Brenda will be happy to pass along your need and let us know what's up. and. We, again, will see if we can find someone to meet your need, or you could help us populate that list we'd like to put together. That would be amazing. So we're exhorted in scripture to care for one another. In Acts 20, 35, we find that we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And in 1 John 3, 17 and 18, it says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So how will you care, act, reach, and encourage? We'd love to hear from you. You can make a difference. Maybe you heard the story about the little boy who was walking across the sand and the seashore, picking up starfish and throwing them back in the ocean. An older gentleman met him and said, what you doing? He said, well, I'm picking up starfish and, and throwing them back in the ocean. He says, you can't save all the starfish. Little boy reached down, picked up a starfish, threw it back in the ocean. He said, well, I can save that one. 
We can't all do it all. But we all can make a difference in somebody's life. See, it's all about family. Older men, respect. Older women, value with devotion. Contemporaries, brothers and sisters in Christ. May I remind you of spiritual lessons from chickens? Pretty smart birds. Chickens understand the need of family community. Chickens practice selfless love by looking out for the needs of others. And chickens are great communicators and are very alert. Pull it up and look at it. I think it'll be a blessing. It's all about family, folks. Whether it's those that we're around, widows, those who have special needs, or those that we come in contact with because we all are there, right? We all have a responsibility within the family of God.